With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Full Press Packers Pod, part of Full Press Coverage. My name is Kyle Senra. Joining me, one of the co-hosts, or one of my co-hosts, Sam Toma. Uh, Toma, the co-host. I don't know the alliteration there. I died. My brain. It's Friday. My brain's on Friday mode. But how are you doing? Doing well. Looking forward to this this upcoming game. Yeah, should be uh, interesting. Monday night, uh, second primetime game in a row. Um, so uh, I don't, you know, Packers don't seem to be a team that's affected by primetime games. If anything, they tend to maybe play a little better. Uh, you know, last season's game against San Francisco, notwithstanding. Moving on from that, though, uh, yeah, Falcons. <laughs> I would say a much easier defense to face than the uh, the 49ers of, of last year. And, um, you know, I think they were able to muster up, what, 37 points against the Saints defense, which I was pretty impressed with. I mean, uh, I talked about it in the recap, but uh, Lazard just threw out, you know, beating Janoris Jenkins is like just on every play, it's seemingly, and then the one big catch when he was covered by Lattimore kind of proved that he can beat even the, the big corners. So uh, it was great to see for that. Uh, unfortunate news this week, though, with Lazard, and we'll start with that. Um, core uh, muscle surgery uh, and initially said out indefinitely. I mean, I guess that's what they're still saying, out indefinitely. Rumors kind of today were saying maybe maybe a month. I know Sam and I just before started recording kind of talked to, you know, you hear indefinitely, you, you think it's season ending. Uh, potentially. So to hear a month is maybe not the worst news, but it's still very unfortunate coming off of a career game for him. Yeah, it's a real shame with how well he's been meshing with Rodgers this season. He's just been steadily building on season after season, and it's a real shame to to lose him when he's really taking some big strides. 
Um, I mean, just obviously it hurts the team with Adams kind of hobbled as well. That just not a ton of wide receiver depth coming into the year in the first place. Adams going down. There were concerns already about whether the receiving core was going to have enough depth to to really continue producing. Lazard and MVS both stepped up to the plate and were having great seasons so far. Uh, as you mentioned, Lazard with a career game pretty much last week. Um, so it's it's really tough for the Packers wide receiving core to lose him now. Um, right when they were building a ton of momentum with Rodgers in that receiving core. And as we've seen with a number of positions so far this year, it's just going to have to be next man up again, leaning on some of the some of the top guys, spreading the ball around offensively and just just remaining efficient. Um, it's it's no, it's going to be no easy task. Lazard has made that clear by being an integral part of the passing offense each and every week so far. He's been and we can't we can't understate his impact being a blocker on the outside as well for like screen passes or just outside the tackle runs for Jones and Williams and whoever else might be running the ball at the time as well. He's he's done a number of things. Uh, uh, he's done a lot of things um, for the Packers Packers offense, be it catching the ball downfield or over the middle, um, blocking both downfield and along the line of scrimmage, serving as kind of a quasi tight end, pseudo tight end on crackdown blocks as well. So he's it's surprisingly big shoes to fill. I don't want to make that seem like it's a slight towards him. He's been fantastic. I just didn't, I personally did not expect him to serve nearly such a big role this season. Um, so seeing as big of a role as he's filled the lot, these, these first three games of the season, it's going to be big shoes to fill for whoever takes on those roles. Now. It, just looking snap counts. I mean, it really confirms what you're saying. Three, the three games so far this year, 87% in week one, 84% week two, 95% last week. Um, so, I mean, like you mentioned, I mean, week one, 87% to Devontae Adams, 90%. I mean, you know, they're clearly the top two. I know it didn't always go that way in targets necessarily. Uh, some weeks, Valdez Scantling got more, run, you know, either the running backs or the running backs combined for more. But as you mentioned, it's, it's on the field all the time. He serves so many roles for them. And yeah, it's, I mean, the good news is that it appears that Adams is coming back. Uh, as, as same with Kenny Clark. Uh, you know, having lost both, it's nice to to have both of, both of them return. Uh, limited practice participation participation for both through Thursday and Friday. Obviously, with a Monday game, Saturday. You know, Thursday is really the first day of practice. But um, knowing how the Packers really were patient with Adams last year, it it seemed like he, he even. With, with no practice last week, had a chance to play. I'm thinking there's no way they're going to put him in limited practice if he's not ready. Like, if, if he was... Like, if they thought that him practicing could, could impact his health at all, they wouldn't even put him out there at all. So if, if they're... Even just a limited fashion tells me that he's he's going to play. Like, I, I, I think if he's out there at all practicing, they've got no hold bars against it. They're going to keep him rested until they know he's ready. So if he's... Even if it's a limited practice, I, I, I think... I don't. Know, I, I expect. Well, and I guess we'll find out. You know, Saturday we'll confirm it. But I expect him to maybe be questionable at best, but maybe even not carry any tag. And they're saying, yeah, he's a full go. Same with Clark. What, what do you think about that? I'm, you know, Packers history with limited participation. I don't. I don't know. With Lafleur, Lafleur historically is really conservative, and I know he said this year, especially with the the abridged off season, 
that he's willing to be really cautious, especially with the top guys. So I would agree that I wouldn't be surprised if he, if Adams and Clark both really didn't practice much at all, but were still available for the game. Um, but I also wouldn't be like shocked if if he ended up holding Adams especially out um, with an injury because or because he just wants to play a cautious because the Falcons defense isn't aren't exactly world beaters so it's not outside of the realm of possibility that the Packers could win without Adams or Lazard and still have a, a good offensive day with the way that other guys have been stepping up, like the tight ends in, in the past couple weeks, taking bigger roles in the passing game. Jones and Williams, obviously, out of the backfield, have been huge options for the last year and a half. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if Adams, especially of those two, Adams and Clark, was held out on Sunday just for pure precautions. Um, as for Clark, I could see the similar thing happening where he, for just being cautious, doesn't want to to tear them up early on and not have them later in the year for a stretch run, um, especially against an offense like the Falcons where they're more pass oriented. So it's much, and when the offense is working so well, it's unlikely that it's going to come out to a defensive grind or the Falcons having the positive game flow to run the ball a bunch. Um, obviously we've seen that the run defense as a whole has struggled without Clark in the middle. Um, and it was already weak to begin with without losing Kirksey and Clark. So with those, the run defense is very susceptible, but with the offense operating so efficiently and so well and putting up the numbers that they've been putting up, the the opposing teams haven't really been able to exploit it. With a defense as bad as Atlanta has been, I would I expect that they'll be willing to take that gamble, that it's going to be similar success with the offense and not want to rush Clark or Kirksey back just because they'll they'll have confidence in the offense to be able to put them in a position where the the run defense can't be exploited with a ton of success. And I mean the one thing with Kirksey, it didn't mention it. Um he was one of three Packers who didn't practice, at least of the you know, eligible players not on injured reserve. Because um, they, they did put Equinemia St. Brown on injured reserve. Was it was it after week two or before week two? I think it was right before week two. So he could technically come off next so he could if he's healthy enough, he could be available next week, but certainly not not this week. Um, anyway, so uh, but aside from players on injured reserve, as we already mentioned, Alan Lazar didn't practice either day. Again, expect to miss a month, so he's not playing. Uh, I think he's already been ruled out, actually. Um, Kirksey hasn't practiced either, and you know it it was last week, right? It was against the Saints he got hurt. I'm not yes, mess, or, okay. It seemed like it would be a multi week injury. Like it seemed serious enough that I didn't expect him back necessarily soon uh i haven't heard that he's been officially ruled out yet but you know he hasn't practiced yet through two days i unless he comes back and has a, a real good day tomorrow i doubt he's he's on the field and then mercedes lewis um this didn't occur during the game i guess or i if it did uh i noticed his snap counts a little lower uh than what maybe i expected uh, at least it had uh you know 41 and 45 percent and then 32 he actually was equal with Jay Sternberger, which has not... I mean, he's been doubling up him up, almost tripling him up in in uh, snap counts through three weeks, or at least through two, through two weeks. So to see them equal, 
I wasn't sure, okay, maybe just they wanted to use the, the pass-catching tight end more. They found that they could exploit that against the Saints, which they, they did to, they did quite often. So at first I thought it was that, but I didn't notice Lewis getting hurt in the game. I don't know if, if you picked that up, but maybe that actually impacted that too, and maybe that's why he wasn't on the field as much. Maybe he did get banged up in the game. But either way, he hasn't practiced, so maybe uh, you know, maybe not looking good for him to go. Not a huge part of the receiving game, but definitely with Lazard and Lewis, if assuming both of them, I mean, obviously Lazard won't play. Assuming Lewis also doesn't play, those are two of the big, like, blocking, especially along the perimeter, helping along the offensive line. That's going to be tough to fill two guys in crucial roles. And I wonder if that just actually means the Packers decide to pass more. They're not going to run as much, although, you know... Seems like you can beat the Falcons' defense however you want, um, but if if the so if the Packers are feeling like maybe they don't have the, necessarily as big of an edge at blocking as they'd like, maybe just have everyone pass protect instead, and and there you go, and then just and I wonder if we see maybe more Jones and Williams on the field at the same time. I know they they did that at times last season, haven't really seen much of it, or maybe even at all this year. Uh, maybe this this week necessitates it with you know Lazard out, Lewis out. You know, Adams again. If, if if I mean, if Adam, especially if Adams out, but even if Adams plays, it's Adams, Marcus Valdez, Scantling, and then who? I, I suppose the tight ends, both uh, both Sternberger and, and Tanyan. But and so in talking snap counts, something I'm I was kind of I was curious about why this was the case. I don't know if you have any insight on it, but you know. They, they keep Malik Taylor over Jake Kumro, who would, again, Kumro would be good blocking-wise for this. Like, you know, if with Lazard out, you'd expect to see Kumro in normal times. Okay, he's going to be the guy that's out there blocking on the outside board. They, they have that edge. But they decided to, you know, keep Taylor over Kumro, over Reggie Bangleton, who I'm, I keep talking up, um, over Darius Shepard, obviously, because he just got called up from the practice squad last week because of the Adams injury. And he plays 21% of the snaps week two. And then he's on there 6% of the snaps in, in week three. And Shepard gets 37% of the snaps. And I don't really like Darius Shepard. Uh, like, I thought he was decent as a returner. But, I mean, I, I think I, Tyler Irvin's better. So that, that he kind of made that obsolete there. But I don't want to see Darius Shepard out running routes. Like, I, I was – why wasn't Malik Taylor? I mean, I thought he was the guy they wanted. So suddenly, I, I don't understand. Do they? Is he not running the routes, right? Like, he's, is he – is he yet to kind of get up to that? Do they like him for his blocking? And maybe this is a week he gets to on the field more. Did like, I haven't really noticed much of Malik Taylor. Have you? Like, do you have any insight on him? No, not really. Unfortunately, like, like you, I agree with you definitely that I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Shepard outside of what he initially brought when he was first, when he first made the roster as a returner. He just never really was able to make much of an impact unless he was taking a role pretty much exactly the same as Tyler Irvin, and Tyler Irvin does it better. So it seems redundant to to have him especially play a higher percentage of snaps than Taylor. I don't know. Like, part of me wonders if it was maybe an injury concern or he just didn't feel right in warm-ups, and it's it's so hard to say especially since he wasn't on he didn't miss any practices he wasn't on like noted on the injury list anywhere before or after the game maybe it's just they felt they had better matchups with Shepard I I'm not sure how that could be the case having a bigger guy out there was seemed to yeah. be obviously the play 
I don't even know that Lazard's size necessarily made it. He was just getting open, really, I think. I mean, at a certain point, if they thought Shepard could get open better than Taylor, I suppose that's the argument there. But, I mean, if you'd rather have a receiver who can't catch and doesn't have really good hands on the field, then yeah, by all means. But I I don't know. I'm still bitter about that, that interception he caused against the Lions last year. That, like, dead on the money should have been a touchdown. Instead, he, he basically Amari Cooper's it to, I don't even know what Lions DB, I don't even want to know. Uh, we're going to get away from that mo- moments and memories, though. Back to the positive, or not so positive. Because I did want to kind of circle back to Kirksey and Clark, right? It seems like Clark's more likely to play. I wonder if maybe, if Kirksey wasn't hurt, maybe they'd hold Clark out. But I, I feel like, he, you know, you lose both of them. That's a huge gap right up the middle. I will say, was impressed with Ty Summers, though. Uh, it, it, it didn't seem like the game was too big or too fast for him. Didn't like the, the not tackle on Alvin Kamara's receiving touchdown, the 52-yarder. But uh, to be honest, though, the, Will Redmond had him for a tackle for loss. That was all on Will Redmond. I put I put most of the blame on him, as I usually do. He's Now now that Jimmy Graham's gone, he is he is officially my least favorite Packer. Like, like I don't know. Well, that's another... Okay, we talk about more snap counts that baffle me. Um, oh, I don't have it here. Uh Fan, this is my fantasy thing, so it's, it's only the offensive players I keep track of here. But I do remember seeing he played like 52% of the snaps or something. And then Raven Green was only at like maybe not even half. I think it was 20. You know, I don't even know if it was 20%. Why is Will Redmond playing twice as much as Raven Green? That doesn't make sense to me. Because uh, th- wh- what, what does Will Redmond do better than Raven Green? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> I have the same evaluation that Raven Green's better in just about every aspect. I mean, he's more athletic. He's a more he's he's a more sure-handed tackler. Seems to have better instincts in terms of attacking the run, and better you know better in coverage too. I mean, that, that can't I mean, be much worse in coverage than. <laughs> I will. I mean, you know, whenever Will Redmond gets burned, he's usually kind of in the area. He just you know can't contest catches. Uh, I mean, and it, well, and to be fair, he he covered Kamara right. He read the play right. He was in the position to make that play, and just as you mentioned, not a sure tackler didn't make the play, and then you know Summers missed, and then. I, I counted six missed tackles. I think you mentioned four. I, I went back and looked at it. Some of them maybe, you know, some good blocking. There were f- at least four blatant ones where guys had their arms on him. Alexander was one of them, I think. Too, Alexander so didn't even try to wrap him up. That was really disappointing. He just kind of threw his shoulder at him. The classic, yeah. the classic like Atari Bigby attempt at just blowing up the play when that's obviously not the best option. And I think either Savage or Amos at the end kind of could have could have kept him out, like got got him down at the five maybe, um, and didn't. <laughs> uh, still won though, yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like like we mentioned on the last preview pod. It's so hard to know how much of that is just them not making the tackles. I mean, obviously, several of them, it, especially on that play, the form for most of them was really bad. Like Alexander didn't even try and wrap up. Summers went and dove and tried to grab him by his shoulder pads. That's not going to work, especially against Alvin Kamara. But it's it's so hard to know how much of that is just because they just blew it and how much of that is because Alvin Kamara is one of the hardest guys to tackle in the league because he is. And we yeah, saw, I mean, that's how he was able to have yeah. such a huge game. He he, And how he's been able to be so successful. He is nearly His balance is impeccable. He's nearly impossible to bring down on first contact. So, like I mentioned, like we talked about last week, him breaking off big plays, Kamara breaking off big plays was to be expected. It's just, it's, it, I mean, obviously it's not encouraging 
especially as as a defensive coordinator, I can't imagine what Pettin might have been feeling at that point when it's oh, like right. we drilled this all week. This is <laughs> you need to be able to tackle Kamara before he gets into the open field. Redmond and Summers both miss the chance along the sideline, but then he just. I mean, once he gets into the open field, he has a couple blockers ahead of him. You can pretty much kiss those seven points goodbye because he's making it to the end zone. Yeah, and I'll give, like, maybe, you know, Amos at the end, like, Kamara is that shifty, especially if he gets that much momentum. The cuts are just brutal. So, you know, again, I'll, I'll give 80% of the blame to Will Redmond. And then hopefully that means he's on the bench 80% of the time. That would be nice. Reverse that and put Raven Green on more. But no, but, but I don't know. Clearly, Mike Pettin believes in Will Redmond. So uh, we'll see how much he plays as a, you know, as a response to all this. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, this is the one reason I, I did. I did really want to talk about how good Ty Summers was before I got in the Will, Will Redmond rant. Um, but again, you know, calling the plays, and that was something I, I wasn't sure how he was going to handle that. You, calling like I, I felt he'd be a fine. He, he's in all those meetings, right? I think he knows the playbook just as well as Kirksey does. Um, so I, you know, calling the plays wouldn't necessarily be the issue, but it's calling the plays and then going out and playing at the same time. And, and then as you know, you know, on, on first down, it's probably easier, right? Everything's set up. But then once the uh, tempo gets going, keeping up with that, but especially the saints who love to, you could, you know, they can play pretty quick, get up to the line and, and kind of go with a no huddle, no, t- uh, quick tempo. And I thought he, you know, at least put the defense in position t- to make plays every time. Uh, again, even including that the, the 52-yard receiving touchdown, it, it's just execution, really. So, um, it I think he he should be fine against the Falcons. It's it shouldn't be a harder test than the Saints, although you know Saints didn't have Michael Thomas. It appears that the Falcons may or may not have Julio Jones. Um, obviously, that's a huge problem, both literally and figuratively. If he does play, you know, um, but from a lot, you know, from a from a run-stopping point of view, too, you know, I think, it, you know, the pressure's on Summers if if Clark can't play. I think if Clark's there, it kind of does ease it off a little bit. Um, now, hearing that, you, you you know, something you were mentioning, lack of linebacker depth, especially in the middle. Uh, Tom Silverstein tweeted out, uh, Mike Pettin said, Oren Burks is, he says, cross-training with the outside linebackers and may see more time there than inside for the time being. I'm getting code words there saying we don't like him as an inside linebacker. This is he's going to be rushing in coverage. They they you know, and again, inside linebacker was never really his natural position, so it kind of makes sense. I think I think seeing how well Summers played and how well uh Chris Barnes has played and you know, expecting uh Kamal um is it Murray or Martin? Martin. Martin. Kamal Murray's, that's someone else. Um, Kamal, I don't know why I got confused. Friday again, folks. Uh, Kamal Martin, again, great reports in training camp and expecting him to contribute when he returns. So it seems like they're fine with Summers and Barnes for now. If one of them gets hurt, though, I guess there's no choice but to move Burks back in, play one linebacker, um, which, I mean, they may do a lot of anyway. (laughs) 
if nothing else, maybe just to keep linebackers healthy. You know, put, you know, put the inside guys on more than one at a time that often. Pretty much. Yeah. Just running a whole bunch of DBs out there. Which I guess, if that's how you want to play, they have drafted and built the team that way. So, uh, so, so then to talk about the coverage, though. Um, I almost think it's ideal if Kevin King covers Julio and you have Jair try and take out Calvin Ridley, which is, you know, I think probably his toughest test that he's had yet this year. Uh, I know, he, you know, Adam Thielen, he did a pretty good job against until the, the really the only, the only thing he allowed was the touchdown at the end, uh, which when the game was really kind of out of question at that point anyway. Um, so I, you know, did really great against Thielen as he'd done the year before, kind of, I was predicting, the way Calvin Ridley's playing, that's going to be that's going to be a real tough test and interesting. If if that is the one on one matchup, I think that that'll be great to watch all game. Uh, it's going to be. I I know uh, Alexander actually did appear on the on the injury report. Full practice both days with a hand, so maybe that means no pick six this week. <laughs> Which against it's Matt Ryan, maybe you're losing a good chance there. But um, the because tr- the truth is with Julio Jones, I mean, there's a long history of him just torching the Packers and ha- them having no answer for him whatsoever. Um, I think we all remember a playoff game where Ladarius Gunter was covering him. That, uh, Which, I mean, directly led, because they drafted Kevin King either in the first round or early second. I think, I think yeah, that was the, the year everyone thought they were going to draft Alvin Cook, and then they didn't because they traded back and got him, I think, 202 or you know early second. And I remember as a rookie that year, they played the Falcons, and again, Julio torched them. But they got, I think Demarius Randall was covering him most of the game, and the plays where Kevin King covered him, I actually thought he did pretty well. I think he held him to one catch for about 10 yards. So it seemed like he was the only one that really could, you know, his size could kind of keep up with Julio, uh, you know, contested catch, uh, at least make it difficult for Julio to to reel things in uh, and, you know, stick with him. You know, separation has never been Julio's strong suit. It's really just burning guys deep, which, again, Kevin King is always susceptible to. So that, that is the worry there. But, I mean, Jair Alexander gets perfect coverage on Julio. How does he how does he stop him from catching the ball? Yeah, exactly. I'd agree with that on pretty much every front. Uh, just because physically they match up better, Ridley and Alexander, than King and Jones. I mean, like you mentioned King has a history of getting burnt deep. Julio Jones excels at burning burning guys deep. So I'd assume that any play, any down where it's like remote, well, pretty much any down, they'll have, if they decide to go with King on Julio, they'll have to shade a safety over the top on that side, whichever side it is, just to provide some kind of safety blanket. Basically just throw them in deep coverage and say, don't let Julio run past you. Especially if Clark and Kirksey both miss the game, because that's the safeties generally play a pretty big role in containing. Um, and without without the strong inside presence of Kirksey and or Clark for the game, you're risking there as well if you have to leave one over the top. But against an offense that has a passing offense that has been as explosive as the Falcons have. Um, with both Ridley and Jones being exceptional so far this year, you the last thing you want to do is give them a huge 60-yard touchdown or something, especially if you're in a good spot in the game, and then all of a sudden that can swing the momentum. So the, it's it's similar strategy to what the Packers have been doing most of their games so far this year. Get 
at least in my mind, ideally the game flow goes get up, get offense plays well, gets a lead, shows that they're they're going to be able to move the ball more often than not, and then defense plays not exactly prevent, but just keep keep the ball in front of them, make the plays when they're there, just don't get burned for a huge play. Let them pad the stats in garbage time, make it look like a close game. It's exactly the, what happened in week in week one. That like that would be the ideal game flow in my mind, especially with the injuries that have have happened on the defensive side of the ball, especially over the middle. Mitigate the the run defense, um, the issues with the run defense. Just get get out in the lead and then don't get burnt deep by Ridley and Jones. That's that's probably the best they can they can hope for because of how good that Falcons passing offense is and how likely it is that they'll be throwing a high volume of passes. I think you know, a few points I want to do elab- I want to elaborate on. Uh, so just talk about Kevin King again and the idea of a you know a blanket safety kind of just always at Jones's side. I think. How do you think Kevin King personally approaches Julio? Do you think he goes up and just tries to press him, knowing that he's not 100% healthy? Do you think, okay, if I could stop him right off the line, you know, he, he'll never get going? Or does King kind of play like he likes to naturally play off, you know, 5 to 10 yards off and try and ball hawk it, try and undercut things, pick things off, especially if you have a, a deep safety over top, knowing you can kind of take those chances? Or, you know, is Petten going to mix that up and have him play a, a variety of my hunch would be that he mixes it up, especially with Jones. Like generally, if Jones was were one hundred percent healthy, I would assume that they'd play off and with Kevin King and try not to play safety over the top, um, and and just try and have King st- stay, keep him in front of him, let him catch it and just tackle him. Kind of just instructed to play it that way. Yeah, just just let him take that ten yards and out and. Bring him down when he gets the ball. Just don't let him get 30-plus yards. Just don't let him get those chunk plays. Um, but I think they... I feel, obviously, I'm no NFL defensive coordinator, but based on what Petten has done in the past, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised if he put Kevin King in more press coverage and shaded to safety over the top and told King, disrupt his timing, don't let him get off the line quick, don't let him get that great release let our pass rushers get an extra half second to try and get to Matt Ryan. Um, just just do whatever he can to disrupt their rhythm, especially with Jones not 100% going into the game. There's a much better chance of that being successful. Obviously, there's always the chance that it can get burnt deep if he just whiffs on a, on a press or whatever it may be. Um, but the physicality of King could, can match Julio Jones from time to time, especially with Jones not 100%. Um, so disrupting the rhythm by pressing at the line of scrimmage, obviously mixing it up so it's not every single time. Um, but I think that could be I, I think that could be successful. And I mean, we could also be making assumptions here. There, there, I mean, there might be there might be plays that Alexander is covering Julio, or, or maybe they the Packers approach this. We're not going to play man. We're going to play zone, and we're going to again. We're going to let these guys make catches, but we're going to kind of try and minimize the big plays. And, you know, once they get deep in the zone, it, you know, try and undercut things and try and get turnovers that way. That that could be a possibility. Or, again, a mixture of everything and try and keep the Falcons guessing. Keep Matt Ryan, you know, don't give him cues to what you're doing. Uh, in both. And I think part of the the reason that LaFleur kept Petten, the scene that both 
understand the idea is they, they want to fool defenses. They don't they don't want to show their hand. They want to disguise coverages or disguise um, well, blocking schemes, really. And I mean, we see it with, with the, you know, uh, I think you tweeted it out or you retweeted it, uh, just meant showing, a, you know, a picture of a run play and a pass play, right? Right it as kind of the ball snapped in Rogers' hand and like the, the play action everything looks the same like you know from how the offensive linemen are moving to the positioning of the running back how Rodgers is running very specifically and you just you know the attention to detail like those things are what fool defenses and that's what kind of keeps defenses off balance and then on the opposite side right is is not showing your hand of where you're placing safeties and where you're necessarily placing your corners you okay we're gonna play press but we're gonna you know, start it looking like we're coming off the line and then right before the ball snap get up and press and just fool fool them in that in those types of ways and i think lafleur saw that in Patton that that's how he he understands that we you know no longer can you be like and this is what the packers had before with mccarthy um and you know to a certain extent don capers they were going to show you what was going to happen and you it was up to you to stop it right like we were so confident in our players performing that we don't we're, no, we're not going to care to disguise it it reminds me of lovey smith's bears it seemed like it's just just okay this is what's coming try and stop it and when it's working and teams don't have an answer then you, you don't care but once you start getting good at you know on the defensive side once you get start getting good offensive lines and a good quarterback or good offensive coordinator that it can dissect that and you could start finding advantages and weak points then you, you you know that's where that those types of uh I say vanilla, but that type of undisguised offense or defense really becomes exposed. Um, so I think it's going to be – that's something that's going to be consistent every week. You know, uh, We see it all the time on offense, that how motion is used in so many variety of different ways. And they tr- you know, they try their best to have certain plays mimic each other. And Lafleur is also really good at – I'm going to call this play, and a few plays later I'm going to call a play that looks like it, but it goes the exact opposite direction and leaves the defense totally – like fooled and, and someone's wide open um and clearly rogers is buying in i think the defensively i guess the i mean the, defensively they've had the system for what i guess three years now this is year three right of, of Petten being there um so kudos to mccarthy for hiring good defensive coordinators i think that's 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 something he you know don capers is great Petten, um you know turned it turns out he's been pretty good it's just the you know what cost McCarthy was the offense, right? And who he, who he hired to be in his offensive meeting rooms with him, like Tom Tom uh, Tom Clemens, I think was is he the one who took over play calling that one time for McCarthy? I think you're right. And I, I remember mean, he, Philbin came in and yeah, well that was the one I was going to rant about next. <laughs> did the same thing. System didn't change. Really happy with our coaches now, right? Yeah. Just seeing it, it's been so fascinating to watch the philosophy, the whole philosophy change. And it's so good. It, it's so awesome to see Rodgers and, and just the offense fully buying in last year. It was so hit and miss. And obviously we're seeing the actual fruits of having a good quarterback and some really good and a really good supporting cast, a good offensive line and guys who have bought into the system and how effective the offense can be. Like we see Jones go off one week, we see Adams go off like go off week one. We see Adams and Rogers that tandem fully working, just obliterating the Vikings defense. The next week, totally script script absolutely just does a complete one eighty, and it's Aaron Jones that goes off mostly on the ground. And then week three, it's a pretty good mix of like the tight ends are getting more involved than they were before. It's like 
even without fantastic players across the board, like we talked at length about how the wide receiving depth was so so coming into the year the tight ends they were so unproven like there was talent there but it was really raw and underdeveloped and the, there was obvious friction last year with Rodgers and LaFleur it was we weren't sure how they were going to mesh moving forward we weren't sure if the drafting of love was going to be a problem in that whole chemistry um I mean contract things theoretically looming over the head all of that has seemed to not matter obviously winning can smooth over all sorts of things so here's hoping it continues. But it, it's looked like everyone's bought in. Everyone's having a great time. I mean, and it's been the offense has been fantastic. Just seeing how much they've bought into the philosophy and have made it work with great effect. It's, it's really good to see. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Next point I wanted to make, actually, again, elaborating on something you said, (laughs) Sparks Ideas. This offensive line this year has performed so well. I'm I'm surprised without Bulaga that they have done as well. And kudos to Billy Turner last week. I thought he played pretty well. First quarter, you could tell that it was clearly his first game action of the year. Right? He, I think he took some time to get into it, but by the second quarter, I thought he was he was fine out there. Yeah, I mean, you can't say too much negative about a a squad, a squad that's given up only two sacks through three, through three games. That's tied with the Chiefs for least in the league. Less than a sack per game, you can't ask for much better than that. And they're and they're routinely creating lanes for the running game as well. I think certainly some of that can be chalked up to, like we just talked about, the constant motion and the disguising of plays. Just not giving the defense a read on what you're doing. Because um, so often I remember referencing back to the McCarthy offense. I mean, we could almost call, just from watching on, on our TV, they came out in a certain formation, in a certain like situation and it's like oh it's a handoff here or oh they're gonna toss it to the outside try and try and break one outside the <laughs> tackle or oh it's a slant to slant to jordy nelson or right Devonte adams right now it's like it's it it was choreographed but so often it still worked not so in the last couple of years and defense and then the offense and offensive line seemed to take a step back um that may not have been the case in pure talent but their performance just wasn't the same because it got so choreographed. And we're seeing the opposite of that be the case with LaFleur constant motion, like you were saying. It, it's Deception is as much of a weapon as any of the players are in this offense. And it's it's helped the offensive line where there may be talent deficiency with a guy like Wagner or Turner on playing the right tackle. Very few times are there the pass rusher against them going to be able to just full send against in a pass rush because if there's a guy coming in motion, they're they're going to have to be thinking about, oh, I got to set the edge now on this guy if he gets the ball or having almost never playing behind the sticks like they're almost always a positive play building on a positive play before. So it's almost it's been very rare for this team to get in like a third and 10 plus 
because there have been so few sacks and there have been very few offensive penalties that they've had to work back from. So there have been very few times that the opposing defense has really been able to, with full confidence, be like, this is going to be a pass so we can full send a pass rush. There's always there's always the chance with this the offense, the way it's been working and the way it's running, that it could be a run or like a, a screen pass. LaFleur and his play calling has been has been changing it up really well, keeping the defense on their heels, using deception as a weapon rather than a gimmick, uh, which was something that has didn't exist in the Packers playbook for quite some time. And it's and it's been working really well. Constant motion. It's like a dream theater. That was a test to see if you were a dream theater fan or not. Um, so we established that. Uh, rock on <laughs> to the. Uh, I, so y- you mentioned it. They're second in, or they're tied for the Chiefs in sacks or fewest sacks allowed. Um, Football Outsiders has a bunch of offensive line metrics. Uh, the big one is adjusted line yards. Five point four two adjusted line yards is first in the league. So right now, this seems like they're the best run blocking unit. Uh, RB yards they have it at. 5.79, which I think is second only to the Vikings, uh, 5.88. I think that's yards created by the running back. So what it's showing is that they're blocking well, and then with that space, Jones is using that to, to maximize that to its fullest potential. He's broken off some big runs, and he's scored a touchdown in every game. And it's funny that he's I mean, he's gotten a lot of red zone opportunities. I think he's top five in the league. Um, part of that is he's getting targets a lot in the red zone, maybe more so than, than a lot of running backs are. I, actually, I think he and Kamara are tied for the league lead in, in red zone targets, not just for running backs, but for everyone. So, um, you know, Jones is clearly getting a lot of red zone passes. Um, and you know, they're ha- he had the, it's funny. The one thing that the Packers are maybe not the best at is the power run, the short yardage run. 40% success rate is actually 29th in the league. But, but that being so bad, because like I said, they're again they're first in adjusted line yards, second in, in RB yards. Their percentage of runs stuffed, eleven um, percent. It's fifth in the league. So they're not getting stuffed very often. It seems like when it is, it's probably more most in the power situations. Um, second level yards, they're fourth. And we know that this is an offensive line that is very athletic and can get that out there and block in the second level. Open field yards, 1.41 is fourth in the league. So, you know, again, except for that power success uh, metric, they're top five in every run blocking category that Football Outsiders has. So, yeah, uh, again, great unit. Um, really impressed. I mean, Lucas Patrick probably wasn't supposed to play this much, but he, he's... He fits in as a starter just as everyone else does. You can maybe call him the weak link, uh, but he, you know, he had this, you know, I think of the Lions game. He's he's the one who allowed the sack against Jamie Collins. Maybe Lindsley should have helped over there. Maybe not, but you know that that's maybe one you can blame on on Patrick. But for the most part, he's kept it clean. I know last week, no Marcus Davenport made it an easier task in the middle. Uh, but Lucas Patrick's been incredibly impressive. And I know we, we've already talked to Billy Turner, uh, so we don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Atlanta, not quite there. So they're not in the presence of their enemies. Um, again, another dream theater reference. Sorry. Uh, we'll stop that. Um, and uh, well, uh, do you have any final thought thoughts about this uh, Falcons Packers game on Monday night? It'll be interesting to see if the Falcons keep up their blown lead streak. Part of me thinks they won't, 
because I have a strange suspicion they're never going to have a lead in this game. So I don't know if that's better for them or not. I shouldn't say that. I mean, Falcons fans. I don't, yeah, I don't know if it'll be wor- better or worse for Falcons fans if they just never lead or if they. Because, I mean, the, the, the true way to crush somebody's hopes is to get their hopes real high first and then crush them. The Falcons have been masterful at that over the last several years, but especially this season. Uh, we'll we'll leave the <laughs> it who sh- it who shall not be named Super Bowl out of this, right? Because uh, it's not like we can brag much in that Super Bowl. Who who what did the Falcons do to us the week before? Do right? So that's uh, Ladarius Gunter. <laughs> we've, we've already brought that up a couple times, which I guess it's pertinent since we are playing the Falcons again, or the Packers are playing the Falcons. I'm I'm not part of the team. I'm also not a part owner, so I really can't say we. I guess that's the, that's the one thing with the Packers. If, if you part own the team, suppose you could say that and it'd be like, yeah, it, it counts. I won a Super Bowl ring. I was a 0.001% owner of a Super Bowl ring, uh, which is, again, more than me. So good, good for them. Suppose like super, super sad story as more just an NFL fan rather than specifically a Packer fan. Just to watch the demeanor of the Falcons and whether these last two weeks, these last couple weeks will have demoralized them in any sense. I can't imagine it hasn't, at least to some extent, because they've been such frustrating losses. Obviously, as a competitor, you want to come back and be able to to get a lead and not blow it, make some strides, make some positive strides. They're 0-3. They're one of the worst defenses in the league, second only to Seattle at this point in, in terms of yards given up. And they're, average, they're giving up 36 points per game on average through these first three weeks. You come up in week four and you're playing in a super high-powered offense in the Packers, one of the best in terms of scoring so far this year, that's, I mean, on paper, this has all the elements of a blowout. Um, so it'll be inter- it, it will be an interesting point to watch about what the mindset for the Falcons might be, and if they come in with, if they come in tentative, and if they do, that I, I mean, that will likely be a death sentence against a team as com- coming in as confident as the Packers are. I could see them getting down by several touchdowns super early. And at that point, it'll just be coasting to the finish for Packers. And, you know, saying that the Falcons will never have a lead. I mean, to be fair, the Packers have given up first quarter leads to, I think, in all three games. Um, you know, Dalvin Cook starting off with an early touchdown right away. And then and then they, then they started playing defense after that. But uh, the Lions were up 14-3. I mean, even the Saints... Uh, I think the Saints didn't, didn't didn't the Saints score on their opening possession. I believe so. Yeah, uh, Kamara touchdown, right? <laughs> uh, a lot, there was a lot of it. it I, well, honestly, as soon as it happened, yeah, this is this is going to be a thing tonight, isn't it? Um, so you know, it's possible that the Falcons do get an early first quarter lead. Maybe if they lose it in the first half, it won't be so painful. I think it's the like we have the lead with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and, it, and there's no way this team can come back. Oh wait, what? Um, yeah. And I mean, I, I suppose if it's the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, you see it, the Bears. You did that to the Bears, and I mean, I'm not. I wanted the Falcons, so I don't want. I don't want to be tied with the Bears, at the top of the division. I, I was already complained about that in the fantasy pod, but oh yeah, Packers three and zero. Wait, Bears three and zero. Uh, um, oh no, that Week Seventeen game is going to matter. Uh, um, I will say, Falcons. Okay, we. You know, you, you mentioned second most yards allowed, and I mean. We, you talk about the Seahawks and the most yards allowed. Are they really the worst defense? Uh, back to Football Outsiders metrics. Uh, their defensive DVOA, uh, defense value, uh, defense adjusted value over average, they have the Falcons at 20th. So not the worst, obviously, below average. Um, 
So still a bad unit, but maybe not the worst. But I, I mean, that doesn't matter for Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he can he can make bad, good defenses look bad. So because I mean, again, the Saints. Yes, no Michael Thomas, but that again, no Marcus Davenport either. Still a pretty good defensive unit. Uh, they're they're DVOA ranks them at twelfth, and this is after the Packers game, so I'm assuming it was higher before. Uh, Almost so, certainly. And they've again, got a lot of good players with Marcus Williams, Lattimore, Jenkins, Mario Davis, Cam Jordan. They've got a strong defensive line. Well, we we talked all about it last week. The Packers were still able to make them look like a below-average defense. Thirty-seven points, and just because of how explosive this Falcons offense is, this is this is they got to score thirty-five plus again, which they they seem capable, so that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Um, so we're gonna find out Monday night. Uh, you know, a three and zero team versus an zero and three team, right? That there's no way they could lose. Uh, they're I think it's they're seven and a half fav- point favorites. Still, probably pick the over. I mean, they beat the Saints by seven. Yeah, true. So I, I'd probably take the Packers. I know the combined over-under on that. Like Vegas doesn't have the Falcons scoring a lot of points because the combined over-under is still only 56 and a half. I was listening to Dylan and Ross Save Sports today on the Full Press Radio Network. Uh, they mentioned the Packers could almost cover that themselves. And against this Falcons defense, potentially. I mean, especially if the Falcons are scoring a ton of points. And, oh, wait, maybe we have to put up more than 40. We got to put up 50, 55, 60 points. It could happen, I think... I don't think it happens if Adam does, Adams doesn't play. But if Adams plays, it could. And again, especially knowing how patient the Packers are. They're not going to play Adams if he's not really close to 100%. So if he's out there, I expect him to produce. He's, he, it's The really only thing stopping him is, is a re-injury or, or a different injury, which hope never happens to anybody, specifically not Packers players ever. Um, not I don't even want to jinx it, but they because they've already dealt with enough injuries already, right? So is the does the injury luck kind of turn now? But it seems like this season it's not that's not going to help anybody. So just gotta hope that everyone stays as healthy as possible. Yeah, next man up mentality. Yep. But as you mentioned, you know Lazard was a capable replacement for Adams. I don't know that there's anyone else in that roster that even comes close. And even that we we didn't expect. I mean, I didn't expect Lazard to go out eight catches, 146 yards. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, MVS has been playing super well, but I, I mean, he's just a totally different player, plays a totally different role. His strengths are totally different. Lazard and Adams are comparable in some ways, at least uh, winning more on the intermediate levels rather than mostly downfield like MVS. So it's, it was theoretically easier for Lazard to be able to produce in a Devonte Adams esque role. So obviously it would be ideal to get Adams back, have him playing the role that was built for him, have MBS kind of play deep and just kind of roll the offense around that. But it'll be it'll be interesting if Adams does end up being inactive on Sunday or just active and not playing on Sunday, who they end up getting the ball to most. I mean, obviously Aaron Jones will still be a huge part of the passing game regardless. I assume the tight ends will step into a even bigger role than they were in in week three if Adams ends up missing along with Lazard. Well, yeah, and I, I'm expected Tanyan and Sternberger to, you know, garner targets regardless at this point of, of whether Adams is in or not. I think, you know, not having Lazard, not having someone to win over the intermediate middle portions of the field, that that big body, 
you know, you could you could try and run Tyler Irvin from the slot or maybe even Aaron Jones, although, you know, we've seen Aaron Jones. He can do well against slot corners. Um, I, you know, honestly, I want to, I, maybe, maybe that's what this game needs is more of that. Maybe uh, Jamal Williams is the natural running back that he's always in the backfield because you, you're playing Jones in so many different areas. Uh, maybe, maybe they won't get that creative. Um, and, you know, Valdez Scantling can get open deep, but it seems like to get open for him intermediate, they they really have to design it. Design, you know, a few times we've seen the one he dropped um, one of the weeks. I think it was the Vikings game. He dropped it, and then they and then they ran it. I think against the Lions, and he and he caught it, and you know, produced well. Where they, it's 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 a clear out, and he has a, a shallow cross route, and both times they've run it, he's been wide open and gained big yards off it. So they've got that, but you know, in Lafleur designing plays for Adams to get open is just simply moving him to the slaughter, ensuring that he's not going to get double teamed. Like that's, that's really all he has to do. Leave him one-on-one Adams will do the rest. And he kind of got that with Lazard too. Um, Lattimore really did take out Valdez Scantling to the point where Rogers wasn't even looking that way. Uh, I I think Valdez Scantling's only catch came when Jenkins was on him. So that that seemed like a very clear, I, I, you know, pat myself on the back. I kind of thought that's how the saints would approach it and that it would be, I think I thought Lazard would would have the better game because of that. I didn't expect this, so that was a, that was a really nice surprise. Yeah, for sure. Needed every bit of it. Two good teams came down to the wire. Came down to who could have the guys produce better. We couldn't quite match Kamara in terms of his individual production, but team came came up with big plays across the board. Eked out a win against a team that's better than the Falcons, I'd say. But I suppose. I would also caution Packer fans for getting from getting too confident because the zero and three record isn't exactly an indication of how good the Falcons are. I think the Saints are definitely better than their record says as well, um, and and better than the Falcons. But the Falcons are a team that could easily be two and one right now um, if they if. if if an onside kick goes differently and they have like one less touchdown given up over the last two weeks, like very, very slim margins between an 0 3 and 2 1 so far for the Falcons, that fortune could swing at any time. So both the Packers and Packer fans can't be taking, taking their eyes off this week's game and looking ahead because um, the Falcons are definitely a better team than their 0 3 record would, uh, would depict. And, and they're ready to get into the win column. Oh, for it, sure. And to be honest, they were pretty close against the Seahawks. Like that, that game did require, a, you know, a lot of pass attempts for, on both sides. And they kept it close until the end. I mean, and, and I know I've kind of expected the Seahawks is right now, maybe one of the two heavy favorites in the NFC, I think. Um, you know, we, I would have said three before the season, but now with all the injuries to the 49ers, it's, I don't know. I'm not as scared of them anymore. Uh, no Nick Bosa, no DeForest Buckner, not an injury. They lost with free agency, but that's that's a big reason why that pass rush was so deadly last year. So the way I'm looking at it now, how are the Packers not one of the two favorites in the NFC? Again, alongside the Seahawks, and and you know, to your you know, as you're saying, Sam, the Falcons were close against the Seahawks, so that they can they have the type of offense that can keep up with any team. Um, and again, they just the Packers really have to take you know take advantage of that defense and put up a ton of points to ensure that. Uh, that they get the win. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a fun one to watch. I think either way should be. I I anticipate a lot of points. So if you've got any fantasy players on either team, <laughs> make sure you slide them in. 
Sam brought up fantasy first before I did. I mean, I did bring up the fantasy pod, but I didn't talk about fantasy. I just talked about the podcast. So that's just promotion for, for full press coverage. Now I can talk fantasy since I didn't bring it up. But uh, last week, I mean, we saw Ravens Chiefs. There's a, a t- probably a ton of fantasy matchups that came down to that, especially if Adams and Julio are, are in. Expect Matt Ryan and Rodgers to be in lineups. Um, you know, definitely super any super flex two quarterback leagues. They're, they're, they're every week starters. But at this point, Rodgers... Probably an every week starter, even in single quarterback leagues. Yeah, I'd say so. The way he's been producing the efficiency. I mean, you can almost guarantee he'll get two plus touchdowns and no picks the way he's been playing. Again, the corner matchups for against the receivers have been so favorable for the Packers. It's been oh. Yeah, you you know, take advantage of the early schedule with Rodgers and and yeah. Uh that continues this week he, with young more young corners and Denard just went on IR for the Falcons, so more favorable week, matchups last week would have been the week where that comes back to, to bite oh it's Lattimore and Jenkins but that that didn't even make a difference and with, with no Lazard so it's you know I don't know when the corner matchup is. it's you know what it, it, all credit to the 49ers it's probably that one it's you know Sherman uh Witherspoon they've got some really good players in that secondary uh I, I wait Witherspoon's hurt though but I th- you know again Packers playing week nine so maybe he's healthy by then that's probably going to be the toughest corner test that they face at least in this first part of the schedule because you know the Bucks that secondary is kind of getting better but still growing the Texans I mean that's not that 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 secondary resembles what they're facing this week in the Falcons um just trying to go through their early schedule I guess the, the Vikings again maybe those corners eight weeks in have learned and they get better um but I don't know how much of a difference that'll make. So, yeah, I think uh, it's going to be, this is going to be a, a, you know, maybe the opponents last year are more set up to to run a lot on them. Aaron Jones is still scoring a lot of rushing touchdowns, though, so they haven't abandoned that at all, but they're just uh, running, you know. And it's funny how, how, I guess, they you know, time possession's been really helping them because they do have a tendency to just, the, the, the play clock gets drained on almost every single play. Uh, obviously not if you're in the two-minute situations, but outside of that, I mean, they're trying to take full advantage. They're trying to, you know, keep possession of the ball as long as they can. I think that that's a bit a key thing for Lafleur this year. Is I almost wonder if Matt Lafleur made his offense so complicated and like it it t- it takes so long to get through all the play calls that because because he didn't trust his quarterbacks to just drain clock and and be patient and wait till there's like four or five seconds left before snapping it. So he he made up that complex system so they wouldn't have a choice, but. With Rodgers, I mean that he, I mean that's something he's done his whole career. When they're leading, he knows he's you know, perfect clock management. Um, so you know that that dates back to McCarthy. So that's not nothing. That's nothing new with Lafleur. So it's this is this was the quarterback he didn't need that for. But uh, again, the, the the offense is what it is, and it's clicking. So we can't. Uh, we certainly can't complain about it. Yeah, exactly. We can complain about Will Redmond instead. <laughs> at the end of that. <laughs> Um, and if you have any complaints or any positive comments too, uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at FPC underscore Packers. Uh, I'm at Senra Says. Sam's at S underscore Toma 97. So that's spelled S underscore T-H-O-M-A 97. Kenny Clark. Um, yes, sir. And, uh, and yeah, uh, download the full press coverage app. Always catch uh, great programming on the Full Press Radio Network. The app allows you to access to that, all the great written content. Sam's uh, uh, did a great job recapping the Saints uh, game. That article came out uh, 
you know, less than 24 hours after the game, so got it uh, fresh off the press. And uh, Jesse's recent article, Know the Foe, uh, for the Falcons, uh, great to look look through on the entire roster and uh, definitely uh, re- you know suggest people to go look for that, uh, fullpresscoverage.com slash Packers. So uh, until then, Sam, any uh, final thoughts for the listeners? Nah, I think I've said them all. Go, Pack, go. Ah, yeah, love to hear that. Always here on the Full Press Packers pod. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.